I have it here in the notes written down as Enter the Ruination of Sharima. <laughs> Alright? So this is the Ruination 2.0, the Sharima patch. Nine mana, kill everything. Alright? And as we stated before, everyone is there! Everyone! To quote Ryan, everyone and their mama. <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 36. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hedge. The, the hype train is still rolling. Oh my gosh. The it's hype still tra- rolling. <laughs> I, I'm still like on the roof of the train. Yeah. Like with my shirt off, using that as a towel, just spinning it over oh my, my head. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, These I'm, Pittsburgh fans. <laughs> the Pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> Terrible towel, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're here with the third, and it's the unofficial final part of this three-part story we've been telling through the eyes of Renekton, uh, Susan, and now Azir this episode. So we're going to get right. into that. Yeah, the, the Ascendant Trilogy. The Ascendant Trilogy. Will. That's actually better. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good title. Uh, um, yeah, you should bring me on the show sometime. I, I, can, <laughs> I can help bring you some content. <laughs> So up top, we always have housekeeping. You can listen to us everywhere. Uh, follow us on Twitter to keep up to date on episodes. That's at Podcast Core. That's C-O-R. And you can send an email to the same name at gmail.com. So please leave a like, follow, and a short review or comment. That always helps. And tell a friend to return to their former glory by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. I'm not even mad. That was clean. <laughs> <laughs> I stole that one from Hatch during, during the pregame here uh but let's hop into it say the game what are we playing and uh, the new set is out uh for you all that don't know we got yeah i'm okay dating the episode that way because yes new cards (laughs) my precious (laughs) but even so i'm still playing the same deck but uh, listen i'm it's not scout so it's not as bad as hedge I, yeah, uh, uh, I, I'm not I'm not innocent of this crime, so I don't even know why I'm trying to you know act like I'm better than you. But I love the overwhelm so much, and the funny thing about it is the version I'm playing is the updated version. Um, Jory has been streaming lately, and he updated his version of it to add the goth queen herself, LeBlanc. Yes, queen. <laughs> the card that everyone on the internet hated. Is actually really good for my deck. <laughs> I mean, it, like, and, and LeBlanc is in such a weird spot because none of what anyone was saying was wrong, but yeah. at the same time, the meta is just nothing but chump blockers. And if you give a five attack creature with yeah. with quick attack overwhelm, suddenly these chump blockers mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this this is one of those cases where when when you play decks when you're playing a deck that's not mana or meta defining but it defies the meta it's one of those cases where people saw this card when it came out I was like, "Oh my gosh. 
they're going to nerf the shit out of this once people start playing it. Because I'm trying to get my ELO now. Because it's one of those cases where it the card is really good, but it's not flashy, right? But what right. it does is insanity. And we'll we'll get to that when we talk about her card in her episode. But I just want to say, uh, don't tell Ash, because uh, that wouldn't be cool. Be a bro. <laughs> Man, right, and you're saying that it's gonna get like you got getting your elo while you're before it gets nerfed. Once we get new cards for P and Z, yeah. and people actually start playing P and Z again, yeah. you're fine. You're not gonna get nerfed. Oh yeah, <laughs> Mystic Shot. Well, there goes well, that. Mystic Shot's back. Okay, <laughs> no one's playing P and Z right now, so LeBlanc is in the the True. living the dream. True. Um, what, what are you playing? Uh, uh, well, I. I wanted to build a mono Sharima deck mm -hmm. and I'm still kind of messing around with it, but I'm being ridiculously stingy with all of my shards and I'm not crafting any cards because I got the event pass and you get free cards for doing that. And it's like, no, uh, no, no hoard all my shards. So instead <laughs> I literally took my scouts deck, subtracted one Quinn and added a Jarvan so that I too can get my elo before Jarvan gets nerfed because playing a challenging barriered creature at burst speed yeah. is going to get nerfed. I don't know <laughs> how they're going to nerf it like exactly, but it's going to get nerfed. So I'm getting my free elo with Jarvan. Smart move. And Smart move. So, so this takes us into yet again I forgot to update that. That's not what it is. <laughs> Talk about Shivana, baby. <laughs> I know, right? The Golden Goose. Ah, uh, this is a deep cut reference here uh, for you all. If you, <laughs> if you're not over the age of fifty, so the Golden Goose, and we'll get there when Head starts to talk about the story. Yeah, I'm showing my age with how hard I'm laughing. At <laughs> but the Golden Goose is a reference to a Brothers Grimm uh, fairy tale story. You know, the old, the the real stories. That we grew up with. And that story has a lot to talk about. It talks about greed. It talks about uh, selflessness. It talks about these oddities uh, going on in in, in in these situations. And there's many versions of it that have come out through throughout time. Uh, but if you haven't, check it out, and then you'll understand the reference. And obviously, we're talking about Azir. Come on. He's a golden and, chicken. Yeah, like we're talking <laughs> about the pigeon boy himself. And that reference is also cool because that's back when fairy tales were ridiculously dark. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, beefy darkness. <laughs> I'll Got never him. escape it. I'll never escape it. <laughs> so, as always, we'll start here with the main topic, which is our spell. So, we went with Desert's Wrath. So, Desert's Wrath is a four-cost slow spell that says, Grant allied sand soldiers everywhere, plus one, plus zero, Summon two sand soldiers and sand soldiers are one ones for one. I mean, you don't pay the one here, but they have ephemeral and nexus strike. When they do strike the nexus, they deal one to the enemy nexus. So the craziness uh, about sand soldiers are they're real good. And we'll talk about when we get to uh, Azir, how so they made this card. Like Azir was made to be played. Yes. All right. There was no benching for this guy. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you're going to play Sharima, you're playing the Emperor. All right. Like the, he is taking a backseat to no one. Um, so, of course, the Sand Soldiers have to be good for that. And this is also like super good because I 
I we haven't recorded. I'm on tape saying how I'm going to like be playing Azir and I'm trying to live my sun disc dreams. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'm living the meme. His mid range value is ridiculous. Yeah. And if you're playing a creature eccentric strategy and you're trying to get on the board with a lot of presence, you're going to have spell mana. What's what's a better way to get that spell mana than to buff the things you're already making permanently and to go ahead and get two of them? Yeah. Which means you're not even like doing a do nothing turn for a <laughs> mid range deck. This card is ridiculous. It's nuts. Uh and a lot of his cards are nuts. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll get there. So good. But the you made a great point about the danger that these sand soldiers and in the game, if you play the game, that's what he does. He summons sand soldiers. Um, that will attack things within their range. And it, they've encapsulated how dangerous they are perfectly well. And the quote here is good as well. It says, they do not rest. They do not hesitate. They are uncompromising, unfeeling, unyielding, which is the perfect soldier. Uh, if you think about the, it. The, like, this is like... <laughs> This is such a good idea because this, whenever you see a picture of like the Terracotta Army, like this is every every kid and adult, even when they think the Terracotta Army and they try to imagine it, yeah. they're imagining something like this. And so I love yeah. that this is just a great way to just kind of bring that fantasy to life, even though it's like yes, it's translated great from the game too because Azir's right clicks were nothing. Yeah. When a sand soldier pops up, all of a sudden you're dead. <laughs> exactly. So the sand soldier has its own um, quote text here as well. And it says, Azir's legions were reputed. Or is it reputed? How do you say that? Uh, I, I would go reputed. But reputed? I don't reputed? know if I'm right. I, I feel like I should say reputed. Uh, all right, then. Like that, that's the way I have to say it. Go ahead, then, Gavna. Yeah, reputed to be unstoppable even before Sharima was reborn, but now they are truly innumerable. So uh, he'll we'll talk about his army before and after, uh, which only got more dangerous. Um, but yeah, this is a great card all around. The Sand Soldier representation in this game is really good, and that also takes us right into our follower here, which is has to be talked about. We love our one drops here. Dune Keeper. Oh my God. It, it's one of the things where I play against this card for the first time uh, like a day or two ago. And it wasn't that it felt broken. I knew it was strong, but you can deal with it. But it is strong. Um, it's a one, two, one, or a two, one for one um, that has, when I'm summoned, summon a sand soldier. We already know what Ooh. sand soldier does. So essentially, if you have priority, so if you're on odds, right, you have one, three, five, et cetera, <laughs> you get a, a one cost that can deal four damage on turn one on if turn one. not responded to in any fashion. Yeah. That is nuts. And, and and again, like because Azir is fitting such a great mid-range shell, uh, one of the things that good mid-range players have to do is recognize when they're in a control matchup which we're seeing a lot of very combo-y decks popping up, like with Susan and... Um, uh, why am I blanking on cards? I always This always happens when we record. I blank <laughs> on the name of cards. We play the game, we promise. Believe, believe us. us. You but, have to believe us. Like, but the Susan decks in Shadow Isles, and like, so you're chucking a 20 damage Susan at people's faces 
and then you have like Lee Sin combo decks where it's the same story that's at this point oldest time. He gets overwhelmed, you die in one turn. And the best way that a mid range deck can beat these kinds of combo y or even control lists is to just kill him fast. Yep. All right. We see one drop center like three one health like health or stat lines and it, this is better than a three one stat line. Yeah. Like oh my goodness. Like this is the wet dream of a mid range deck. <laughs> and and as we just proved, it's not that hard to buff them. No. You can buff the sand soldiers very easily uh, in this current if state. If only you had something to spend your mana on. <laughs> Only I have I have all these mana crystals and nothing to do. No longer. No yeah. longer. We've answered your prayers. Yeah. The the quote here uh, is also good because uh, it references the story of the before and after times. Uh, as the emperor commands, both the sand and I obey. Word of Azir's return has spread across the deserts from Shurima to the world beyond. I have ensured that myself. Um, his return's a big deal. And to have his previous command that comes back in a sand form and the new command that he generates only makes it that much more like massive of a scale uh, is what we get to, which makes sense because this whole story is about ascension, right? You're supposed to be taking it, you know, turning it to 11, right? Yes. Uh, and and, we'll and, and this, this quote also just like, because it, Unlike the sand soldier, this is show, depicting a human, um, mm -hmm. like depicting someone that would is like feels and has yeah. emotion, and showing like the loyalty that Azir does command from his subjects. So it's like, yeah, this, uh, just a really good like all around like the storytelling is just coming together with all these mm -hmm. cards. So take us into it. Let's talk about the Golden Goose himself. Yeah, the Golden Goose. All right, let's talk about the Pigeon Boy. All right, so, <laughs> um, and I, I do like that you said that this is like our unofficial end of the trilogy because we're going to start this off in very much the same way that we started off our Renekton episode and our Susan episode. Um, so Azir was not always a golden goose. He was a human. So we go back thousands of years ago during the Sharia. Oh, Empire. and trigger warning too, by the way. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely There's, right. Yeah, I, we, we need to start I doing that right more. over that. Yeah. Yeah. This story is intense. Um, yeah. So th this is not a joke trigger warning. Well, this we are going to go over very serious uh, subject yep. matter, uh, as including some murder and including uh, some pregnancy issues. Yes. So it, you know, this just heads up. It, this is not a casual topic. No. Uh, <laughs> even though we are casuals, we're going to warn you. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, with, now that we've gotten that out of the way again, thousands of years ago, the Empire Sharima is flourishing. It is alive and well. And we look at the royal family of the emperor at that time. And he, the emperor was blessed with a very large family. And the youngest of his many descendants is Azir. So Azir, starting off at a young age, he is the very last in line for the throne. So he's a... For lack of a better way of saying it, he's a spoiled rich kid, born yeah. with a silver spoon in his mouth, and he's got time to do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. And since he also is 
so far away from the from the throne, just by the number of brothers he has, he even starts neglecting some of his royal duties, and so he's take gets away from a lot of the military training because he's interested in books and trying to just read all these different histories and stories and learn as much as he can. So he spends all of his time in the library that is run by Nazis or Susan himself. And <laughs> so at a young age, the man known is, as Susan, the man known as Susan. Yeah. Um, shout out to anyone who's watched the movie Kung Pao. Um, <laughs> they call me Betty. Um, so uh, Azir Nurturing his nurturing his mind at a young age, he ends up finding and befriending a very young slave boy, so a slave that was around the same age as himself, and they, despite the despite the decorum and the protocol of the royal court, mm-hmm. they end up kind of nurturing a friendship and actually becoming friends, and Azir, against the law of the land names the slave boy Zerath, which in the old tongue means the one who shares. And <laughs> so because and, the, and go it, it goes it goes with saying it's you know, we've had so many different angles of the story and having it from getting the one from the royal family is the first induction introduction we're getting to Sharima having slaves. We know they are a like you said, a militant um uh region where they seek to expand their empire. We found that out in the earlier, in the Renekton episode, the Nasus episode, so go listen to those ones. This is the first time we're understanding, oh, there are slaves involved in this labor as well. Yeah, and and it's not really a surprise because it's very much like Egyptian themes yeah, yeah. that we're getting off of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, so or, here come the slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing casual about this episode. <laughs> All right, so Azir... Ends up, ends up making sure that his family purchases. We'll we'll say higher. Yeah. Uh, to be nice. <laughs> no, you can't say higher. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. So Azir, the royal Claims. family, the, the royal family buys yeah. Zerath, yeah. even though he's not so allowed a name as a slave. <laughs> Holy, um, and Azir makes Zerath his personal slave. Yeah. And treats him as an assistant because they are now friends. Um, so they, Azir does treat him well and they do, they do hit it off. Like they, they are actually friends. It's not, you know, like Azir trying to be, treat himself better than he is, but the, their friendship goes to another level when the Royal family ends up going on a caravan throughout all of Sharima on a, yearly trip as far as just to go and see their people some would say a vacation Uh, (laughs) royal vacation if you will and during this trip they ended up spending a night in a very well-known oasis and azir and zarath end up going away like they're they're kids like they break away from the rest of the group and they find a secluded spot so that they can look at the stars and chart it down like the books that they've been reading and compare it to the books that they have been learning astrology from it is during this night that a group of assassins end up attacking the royal family zarath saves azir's life he throws himself onto the assassin that is trying to kill azir and Azir ends up wrestling the knife away and killing the assassin. 
and by the time that they kill this assassin and make it back to the rest of the camp, the attack is over. This attack is now covered with bodies because Renekton, who is ascended at this point, the crocodile man crocodiles. Uh, <laughs> Everyone around him is dead, but <laughs> Neckboy does it again. Neckboy does it again. But the only thing that Azir knows is that all the assassins are dead, but all of his brothers are dead as well. Yeah. And the only survivors in the camp are Renekton and the Emperor himself. And suddenly, this young boy who has not been taking the throne seriously at all is suddenly the only heir left remaining. So now Azir with Zareth is kicking it into high gear. Mm -hmm. Right. First of all, he goes ahead and he tells Zareth, yo, you saved my life. One day I'm going to free you and I'm going to make you my brother. Like we're not, we're, we're tighter. We are tighter than blood now. Yeah. And Zareth, he's, taking this to heart too because they are truly friends and he mm. just laid his life on the line for him so he's like hey yeah you gotta yo you gotta tr start treating this throne thing seriously the game of thrones is upon you yeah uh and people are dying so you gotta go take this seriously so azir starts training and seriously training not only his mind but his body as well so this is when he actually starts learning military tactics yep. as well as how to properly defend himself instead of skipping those lessons to go read books which when when you think about this he now has the knowledge basis of what susan's providing through the libraries and he also has military training in the sense of being directly associated with renekton so you have the top tier that Sharima has to offer, right? Yes. Legitimately the best of the best. And this is really good because the thing that – and the story does lead you to believe that Azir does not fully understand this yet. But this is really good that Azir is learning all of this because his father hates Azir. His father – essentially is like in a state of grief where he yeah. is blaming the death of all of his children on Azir and where he's just kind of wishing that like if only Azir had died instead of my other sons. So this is when you start seeing a lot of more of the political intrigue of Sharima because now the emperor is looking at his wife and it's like you are still of – age where you can bear children yeah. and you've already born many sons we're gonna have another son and the moment that i have another son azir is gone yeah out of the picture yeah so denounced most likely is usually how that works yes and this and has mad vibes by the way to our shadow isles episodes when we talk about the mad king in that situation oh you get boy. to see the madness happen a lot more detailed here yes and and this one like the key part is that we see it in more detail. So we actually kind of get to see why some of this madness breaks down because yes, this is a lot of political intrigue, but now the part of the story gets to where the Empress is unable to bear another child, but it's not for lack of trying. Yeah. So there are multiple accounts of the Empress being unable to carry a child to term. And 
then a lot of the courts of Sharima, a lot of the nobles, start spreading rumors around that the Empress has been cursed. They, She's been cursed by whoever sent the assassins. She's been cursed by another military power far away. Or she's been cursed by Azir. And whenever some of these these rumors pop up that Azir you know, has been the one cursing her. Azir is very quick to shut all those rumors up. And there are a couple times that it is confirmed that Azir actually, you know, hey, yo, he, he's found assassins now. So, yeah, he... Nah, nah, you ain't talking about me. So, like, Azir is now... Like, this is the point where he's finally, like, diving into the the political game himself. Which and, is sort of scary when you think about his father's descent into madness while the hysteria around him is driving him to become more ruthless and militant like his father. Yes. And the key word is, you know, a little mad. Like yeah. This, yeah. This, this is not a walk in the park at this point. Yeah. Um, but one of the curious things with this is that a lot – there, there's only a couple times where it's noted that Azir has killed some of his political enemies, but almost all of his political enemies have disappeared, but not by Azir's hand. But we don't know what's going on there. Yeah. We just know that there's a lot happening behind the scenes. So fast forward to where the Empress is able to carry a child to term. She finally bears a child, and the night that the child is born a terrible storm rocks the city of Sharima and about six bolts of lightning hit her bed chamber what the heck all right so (laughs) she gets zeused out of this this world she she doesn't make it spoiler her and and the newborn baby both die and then the political rumor going around is that the emperor in a state of grief and madness upon seeing this, commits suicide. But Azir finds the bodies of his father and the royal guard charred skeletons. In pieces. In Which is pe- not how suicide works. Spoilers. You know what? Look, I, <laughs> I've never committed suicide. Um, you know, like... Spoilers. Shocker. I know. Um... But I don't know if I'd be able to dismember my skeleton and burn away all my flesh while without dying before finishing the job. So yeah, you might be onto something. That might this might not oh, be a suicide. Man. So the emperor and the empress are now officially out of the picture, yeah. and Sharima needs a ruler. So Azir kind of has to put his grief to the back. Azir's still young at this point, too. By the way, yes, the, He's still still teenager. Very, very young guy, but he's got to put all of this on the back burner because suddenly the emperor is out of the picture. So Azir steps up to the plate and Azir starts running the country, the country, well, or the empire of Sharima. And he starts running it well. This is a guy that has been spending all of his youth training under Susan and then finally spending the end of his adolescence training with Renekton. He knows his way around a battlefield. He knows everything that he needs to know to efficiently run a, con- a yeah. country. So the empire starts to flourish under his command. And part of why it's flourishing as well is that he has the wonderful advice of a very well-educated man in Zarath, 
even though he can't say Zarath's name in public because Zarath's not allowed a name as a slave. But the two of them start running this nation, and Azir ends up taking all of this in stride, and he starts making plans to free all of the slaves. So he's now looking at this, and he's like, all right, it's time to write my Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah. I am... I am ready, all right? And but because of the fact that all of the empire has been built upon the backs of slaves, all of the investors of the royal family own slaves. So yeah. he keeps it under wraps. He does not even tell Zerath that hey, I'm going to free all the slaves. Zerath does not know this because he has got to make sure that the plan is perfect before he sets it into motion. So for many years Azir runs this the nation of Sharima perfectly. And after fighting through all this thick and thin, Zarath is finally talking to him and is like, you know what? I think we can go global. Alright, but the only way that I we're think we can go global like, like a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah, like a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right, I think we can go global. But the only way that we can make it global is if we is if you can live for longer than what a human can, I think it's time for you to ascend. Now, Azir says, yeah, I'm going to ascend. This is a big deal because yeah. one of the things that we didn't really get into too much with uh, the ascendancy of Renekton and Gnosis, because it was decided for them, is the decision to ascend for Sharima is handled by a religious sect. Right, and the religious sect in question here is the Order of the Sun. All right, so the priests of the Order of the Sun basically have to hold a summit, and then they this committee decides who gets to ascend. Not only do they decide who gets to ascend, but the chosen that ascend, or the chosen that ultimately ascend, they are chosen at the end of their lives. Like these are people that have dedicated all of their life. And all of their power and life force to Sharima. So it's a bunch of old farts that ascend yeah. the stairs. Or in Susan's case, he was dying. Like yeah. it, he couldn't go up the steps by himself. <laughs> that's how. Yep. That's how much at the end of his life he was. <laughs> all right. So now, yes, this is years after the the death of Azir's father, but he's still, you know relatively a young guy he's still in his prime and he says you know what i i i'm gonna ascend i'm gonna ascend and then this order of the sun is like hold up that's not your call and he says yo i'm the emperor i'm going to ascend i'll tell you whose call it is yeah all right so don't don't tell me what i'm going to do so the decision is made, and, <laughs> and the story at this point, um, I love how Riot has written out this part of the story because uh, now it's they're talking about the ascension of the hubris of man. So yeah, if, if when you start using the word hubris, you know only good things are about to happen. All right, now we're gonna. So we're going to fast forward a little bit as far as to the actual ascension here, all right? Because one of the things that really pops up, but this at the ascension, is 
all of the main city of Shirima, so all of the capital, is there to witness uh, Azir ascend, and Azir brings all of his all of his descendants. And the key word there is descendants, because Azir has has a marriage, and they have many children. Yeah, had a good time. Azir also has a lot of side chicks, and a lot of kids with these side chicks. So Azir pulls. Yeah. All right. And, and a lot of these side chicks at this point were slaves. And a lot of side chicks were slaves. <laughs> Listen, Riot was not fucking playing with this one. No, they were not. Like, they, they're like, they're like, nah, Azir, Azir pulls. All right, he pulls. All right. You, you become the emperor of Sharima and you do a good job at it. Yeah. It's going to work. It's going to work out for you. <laughs> all right. So Azir brings all of his kids. To the ascension, to witness him ascend. Also, all of his soldiers too. Like yes. he, he comes with like I think it's like ten thousand. A good portion of the empire is there, which <laughs> plays into what happens next. Yes, and uh, yeah, and it's written here, flanked by thousands of his warriors and tens of thousands of his subjects. Jesus. Oh boy! So this is gonna go well. Um, <laughs> now, the only people of note that are missing from this are Renekton and Nasus. Who have been called away to deal to our other two episodes, which you yeah. should listen to. And they've been called away to <laughs> to deal with a supernatural threat to Sharema. Yeah. All right. And I there's there's a lot of like intrigue that happens there too that we still haven't even gotten to crack into because yeah. the story is crazy good and dense. Oh, it's dense. It's, it's dense. Very dense. It's so a, it's a very good one. They're the only people of note that aren't there. Azir begins to ascend the steps, and before entering this ruined circle that is essentially protecting him throughout the ritual, uh, he turns to Zerath, grabs Zerath, and announces to all of Sharima that this man is now free, and he is Zerath. Not only is he free, but he is my brother. And under the under the tutelage of Zerath, I release all of the slaves, and there will no longer be slavery in Sharima. So, so let's let's pause real, real quick, because not only are we having an ascension that's forced by an emperor who's too young to ascend, so he's ignoring the sex. So you have the ignorance of the decree of the church in this sense. You have the assertion of power, uh, an ascension that's being forced. You then have everybody there and a mama. You have. <laughs> and then the emperor's like, oh, yeah, by the way, before I hop in this whip, all the slaves are free. And everybody's like, what? Like, imagine everybody half mouthful of cake kind of thing. And then yeah. announces something like that. Yeah, he made sure he made sure everybody got, like, you know, grab your plate. <laughs> everybody ate. And now everybody's, you know, like trying to fight off like that drowsiness and when you eat too much. <laughs> and then he's just drops his bombshell on them. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Like, all right. But again, the key word here is hubris. Um, so Azir releases all of the slaves of Sharima. He enters the ruined circle on the sun disc or on the sun dais at this point um, for where he's actually standing. And the ritual begins. Now, the ritual of the Ascension, which we haven't gotten into too de much detail of, it is a ritual that is of celestial power, which if you've listened to our Aurelian Soul episode, uh, the Celestials have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, 
and so this is a ritual of celestial power that focuses around the celestial powers of the sun. So what ends up happening is that the sun disk is acting as a conduit of the celestial power and focusing the sun into one spot. And if you have ever been a kid playing with a magnifying glass and some <laughs> ants, you know how badly that can damage something. All right, so this ruined circle is what's protecting Azir during the ascension so that he can go what through this. What is this, this a sun disc for ants? <laughs> it's a sun disc for ants. Um, so he, the the ritual is undergoing, and why, when the sun's power shines upon Azir, a cry echoes out, and an arcane explosion throws Azir from the dais it, out of the runic circle into the full fury of the sun. Jesus. And Zerath, who has now blasted Azir off of the dais, steps into the runic circle and claims the ascension of Azir. This is this is already like there's just so much that we could party. talk about right here because this is the this is his childhood friend who not only has been there th literally through thick and thin of all of his royal BS, yeah, but he just got freed, just got his name officially decreed, and literally called out to the whole country, this is my brother, all right? This is, this is yeah. the emperor's brother. You mess with him, you mess with the emperor, all right? And he's now blasted the emperor into kingdom come. This hoedown <laughs> just turned into a hootenanny. Yeah, so now there's already been a lot here that's just out of the ordinary and also yeah. not by protocol and this is clearly like the final straw that ends up happening because this ritual even though it was not initially ordained by the order of the sun it was still happening but for azir azir is no longer in the picture azir literally gets burned to a crisp yeah. just cinders and now zarath is in there so the celestial powers lose all control yeah Zerath takes in all of the power of the sun, and then because <laughs> he now has all the power of the sun, and the sun reacts because, like, yo, this isn't what we signed up for. Yeah. An arcane explosion emanates from Zerath, and I have it here in the notes written down as, enter the ruination of Sharima. <laughs> All right, so this is the Ruination 2.0, the Sharima patch. Nine mana, kill everything, all right? And as we stated before, everyone is there. Everyone. To quote Ryan, everyone and their mama. They're all gone now. They're all dead. <laughs> Dying. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, needless to say, it doesn't go well. Uh, so, <laughs> so now, so this, and that is where, if you've listened to our Renekton and our Susan episode, oh. th that's the point that Renekton and Gnosis show up. They show up because this arcane explosion that it happened. Yeah. In, the in the capital of Sharima, they return and find literally everything is dust. 
The city is gone, and there's just a being of pure arcane power standing before them. So they... And if you want to know what happens to them, go listen to the Renekton and Gnosis yep. episodes. Uh, we do go in a little more details there. This is about Azir. Azir, needless to say, doesn't know any of this happened. Um, <laughs> he's so in between. He's in, in, in between. In between. <laughs> he is in between. He he cannot sense any of this. So what Azir oh ends God. up sensing is that he senses that one of his descendants is in trouble. So he manifests his spirit to end up controlling the sands of Sharima. He creates a corporeal form out of the sands and searches for this hurt descendant. And he ends up finding the body of a dying woman with a knife in her back. And he picks up the woman and he goes to take her to where the oasis... um, the oasis of the dawn is so the oasis of the dawn is a is a pool of water that has very strong magical uh properties and most notably a healing presence and if you're hearing a little bit of like something that went on at the blessed isles you might not be too far off there but we don't really fully know what this is yet we'll get into that We'll get into that at one point. But he goes to where the Oasis of the Dawn is so that he can take care of this dying woman. But the Oasis is buried in sand. So he's already created a corporeal form out of sand. So he goes ahead and he moves the sand out of the way. So for the first time in a millennium, the Oasis returns to Sharima. But Azir doesn't know that. (laughs) He just knows that, hey, it's dusty in here. Yeah. Get out of the way. So he ends up placing this dying woman into the waters of the oasis, and she is healed. And it, the damage to her body, it appears as if nothing ever happened to her. And it's this selfless act that ends up finishing the rite of ascension. So the rite of ascension finally takes place. And he ends up transforming and taking on the form of a hawk which is the same as the armor that he donned as the god emperor of Sharima. All right. I refuse to say that it's a hawk. It is a pigeon. He is a trash bird. He is a trash bird. Riot, if you have a problem, you can reach us at podcastcore, that's C-O-R, at Gmail. And on Twitter. All right. It's a pigeon. Alright, so yeah, so he takes on he takes on the form of the hawk and now he is a fully ascended being. And he was already in his spirit form, he was controlling the sands of Sharima. So now that he is fully ascended, he looks around and he goes, What happened to my empire? What the heck? Where's right? my stuff? And if you if you've gotten to play Azir like a flipped Azir in Room Terror yet, you've you've seen the really cool animations of what he does with the sand. So yeah. just go ahead and imagine all of your Avatar sand bending elements going on. Yeah. He does that real quick, and an empire appears out of nowhere. Yeah. All right. And so the, the people that have been living in the desert for a millennium in a wasteland are suddenly looking at the city, going. What in the world? All right, so he ends up summoning up this the kingdom of Sharima back. Mm-hmm. This also revitalizes the lost sun disk, yep. which 
at this point, it's just a legend that's been passed down through all these nomadic tribes in the sands. And it's just like, you know, a Thanos happens back. You can see this image in the new Sundisk card where before it activates, it's actually buried and sticking out in the back as a background item. (laughs) As a background item. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it's all back. And Sharima has been restored. And it is at the point that Sharima's restored that Azir, you know, he's got everything back and he's trying to just pick up the pieces and figure out what what went wrong because he doesn't understand why no one's here basking in the glory of his now ascended being so he goes hang on you know what i'm gonna figure this out and he uses his power because of how deeply he can control sand he binds the sand to him and then tells the sand to play back the time that has happened since his ascension so yeah. it is the memory of sand that plays the events of the events anakin would hate this <laughs> anakin would hate this it's <laughs> but it is the event he plays back the events of his ascension so this is how azir learns that he was blasted off of the dais he yeah. was incinerated by the sun and it was zarath that sent him ultimately to his doom and it is at this point with a heavy heart because he is now all that he knows is that he finally fulfilled his promise and saved his brother and that brother killed him and so while before he can fully breathe in his grief he now realizes that he's only there because the ancient the ancient tombs of Sharima were uncovered and because the ancient tombs were uncovered, the other ascendants are now free, and he now senses that Zerath is out there. And so now, just fresh off the heels that he's been betrayed, he goes ahead and goes, well, what's calling the boys? <laughs> Summons the sand soldiers, and his story ends with him marching his armies out to find Zerath. And Man, it, this one is a heavy. banger. It is a banger, and uh, it, this is a little bit of a spoiler as far as like what I'm. What I haven't fully confirmed it with you yet, but I'm gonna go ahead and call it as our next episode. It's a spoiler, but um, yeah, the this happened because it Siver opened up the tomb. So whoever will we talk about next? Later. Yeah. So, yeah. It's. The story's heavy. It, it is really heavy. It's um, a it, it's a lot. I mean, it it definitely is a callback to like our Victor episode. Like this is one of those. I mean, obviously we've been working up to this point with Nectin and Susan, but Victor's was kind of a long form wrap up of all this. And you know, let's talk about the card, and we'll come back to what this this story means in the grand scheme of things. Because today we're gonna have a little bit different of a challenge slash question. Yeah, and. Uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't picked up yet as far as our thoughts on the card, a card's good. A card is meant to be played. <laughs> <laughs> card's good. Um, There's no so, question about it. So Azir is a three mana one five. That you dumpy. Al- you already know that we're fans of the dumpy on this show. <laughs> All right. So three mana one five. When allies attack, summon an attacking sand soldier. Beast. Beast, and it's keyword when allies attack. So, no. 
if you gotta, even though he's got that dumpy, if for whatever reason you gotta protect him, you're still getting that sand soldier. You don't have to use him. You don't have to use him. What the heck? Um, and his level up is you've summoned ten units. So it's a quest. This reminds me of how easy the quests are that you get on Legends of Runeterra, so that you can like get free crystals and stuff like that and experience points. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People summon creatures in every game. Yeah. Uh, he he triggers himself. <laughs> if if you if you pass turn one and you pass turn two and you play a zero on turn three, oh, guess what God. happens? Progress one. That's what happens, right? <laughs> and then every time you and it's summoned, so whenever those sand soldiers are popping up, that level up counter just. Bing, 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 oh bing, 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 bing. Oh my card's right, so, so good. Yeah, the card, like, just already, even before he flips, the card's amazing. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about when he flips. So uh, when he flips, he's now a 2-6. When allies attack, summon an attacking sand soldier. When you summon an ally, give us both plus one plus zero this round. <laughs> so, so, so. Okay, so not only, not only is this man go ahead and summoning stuff just willy nilly because he wants to, <laughs> all right. But now he gets buffs because you're summoning stuff. Yes, comrade. Not your plus one. Our plus one. Our plus one. Sickle, sickle and scythe. Sickle and scythe for for Sharima. <laughs> Oh, Sharima, the new color of Sharima is red, everyone. Um, the, the crazy part about it is, as we've mentioned in the last two Ascended episodes, he's he an Ascended. So, yeah, so he is an Ascended. So it, he, he he also has a keyword that he has a, oh a second level up. So he has three forms. Uh, it's the same requirement as Susan and Renekton. So you've restored the Sun Disk. And his final Ascension is just as crazy as as Susan and Renekton. So <laughs> final one, three mana, six, six. When I level up, replace your deck with the emperor's deck, then draw one. When allies attack, summon an attacking sandstone charger. All right. So the sandstone charger, unlike the sand soldiers, uh, is very much the same thing as far as an ephemeral unit. But it's a 5-2. 1-1. 5-2. An upgrade. Might, just a little bit. Yeah, so the obviously leveled up Azir, stupid good. And we have not even talked about the Emperor deck. So, oh, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> true. So, yeah, the, the card's ridiculous, deck. which it, this is what you should expect when you finish a 25 countdown quest. Yeah. All right. Like if you're if you're getting here, you should win. We're OK with it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that that's it. That like this. Card. It's yeah, this is one of our I feel like this is, this is one of our longer episodes for a good reason. I mean, the story is good. The cards insane. The supporting cards are insane. It, it's definitely follows the decree of you know, don't, uh, what is it? Don't start with a showstopper. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, for this to be the last card reveal. And the funny thing about it was there's some rumors out there because right before this, we got LeBlanc 
which was very middling and on low energy. And then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, it was here. And everybody's like, oh! And everybody started doing the wave and they got everybody back on track. So, you know, yeah. props to them. This whole rollout was really well done. But very well today, done. we're not gonna have the standard question or challenge. It's just a statement I wanna make uh, in general because of this story. Uh, you know, a couple episodes we've talked about, we've talked about this when we guest on the Twin Sun podcast as well, Twin Sun's podcast as well, where we always talked about, you know, an MMO would be cool. They're working on an MMO. It's coming soon. MMO, MMO, MMO. This is a great, this is probably the greatest example we've had yet of why it could work, right? This this three episode, you know, little mini trilogy we've done with Renekton, Susan, and Azir, has shown so much in just stream alone between those three, sharing their story, establishing this world of, or this air, this region of Sharima. And if you go back to like our Freljord stuff, you'll see the same thing with the Trindamir, Ash, Juani, Trundle series, right? Like those are more scattered, um, but this is also a great example of how you can have this concept of regions that you need for building a massive multiplayer uh, world. Right, so I just wanted to say that 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 really stood out while we did this episode, uh, and I wanted to see if that kind of hit you in the same way. I, it it definitely did. I think that like the only negative that I can say to that is that it doesn't it doesn't hit me with the whole Sharima thing because it, it hit me with Bilgewater. Uh, okay, because the, like the Bilgewater. When you go to start diving into just the beginning of the stories, specifically for characters like Twisted Fate, Misfortune, um, and a character not in Runeterra Graves, like their story is immediately tied to the harrowing that hits Bilgewater, and the I cannot wait until we start getting into more than just the base stories for these characters because of stories like the harrowing and bilgewater and i could reading through what happens during the harrowing who all is present during it i could imagine just playing you know some no-name guy in bilgewater that's just like hey all right the captain fortune's running down the street she's chasing some crazy lady that's got ghost tentacles around her but you better catch up with her or you're gonna die and like that be like an instance that you run through yeah. and like obviously like i could imagine being like being in shirima and then it's just like hey we gotta throw zarath into the tomb so you need to hold off these forces while Nasus yeah. and Renekton wrestle him down. And like, I could it's see like a dungeon that thing, in, right? Like I could see, see that, that being, being yeah. like an instance or a dungeon that you yeah. play through in an MMO. But like the Bilgewater, that gave me that hit first. So okay. this is, I'm chasing that high. And <laughs> th so it's like, yeah, this, this, this is a good high, but the Bilgewater stuff, it hit okay. different, yo. It hit different. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So I, but, I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, it's it, it it only makes us more hype for the possibility of something being announced this year um, from that project because we are getting the um, Ruin King, uh, uh, like a slice of like this the vertical slice of that story soon yes. in game format, which everybody's excited about. So, all that being said, uh, this has been a long one. Thanks for 
coming along on the ride with us. This was fun to deep get deep into this one and talk about everything we want to talk about with the story. Uh, and as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Yep. Take care, everybody.